Hi everyone, it's Mal. And this is AJ here with Multi, and we're here to give you the mole tea. This right here is an inside look at how we're building and launching a wellness startup. Welcome to Multi Chapter 3. From restructuring to shifting roles to contemplating launch to not giving up. This episode is full of some real, raw feelings surrounding the ebbs and flows of getting through big changes and hard things to finally get to launch. Here we kick it off with AJ and I unpacking just what happened after our send-off of Nina. So we are back, and last episode, we just concluded talking about the dun-dun-dun breakup. (laughs) Which is more dramatic than than it actually was. Yes. Sounds more dramatic than I think it actually was, but I think that people tend to think that when those kinds of things happen, they are very dramatic, just Mm -hmm. because that is sort of the blueprint for when business breakups happen yeah but I feel like that was I mean you'll you'll have listened to it by now you know what happened <laughs> if, you're, if you made it this far you already know <laughs> exactly but today we're gonna be talking about what happened after that so obviously lots had happened at that time and I feel like we had to get together and and think about restructuring and what things would look like ongoing mm-hmm. how were you feeling at that time just personally I feel like it was an interesting time because I had just moved to Los Angeles a few months maybe even a few weeks before October November yeah literally like a few weeks before like by then it would have been two months max so a lot of restructuring on where to put responsibilities where to kind of siphon the previous responsibilities into our two I don't know, like on our plates because, you know, three really is a crowd. When it becomes two, it's like, whoa, this is a 50-50 relationship. So like obviously things in terms of figuring out the more logistic things on paper, like equity and like where we're going to be in a few months and what our bank account looks like. And then there's a lot of stuff going on in personal life where I had just moved my lab and also... (laughs) I was just figuring out how to live in Los Angeles in general and starting my PhD. So it was a lot of changes going on at the time. But I think looking back, like the fact that it's almost been a year, I feel like a lot of those things, just looking back, we're just kind of like, this was necessary to happen. This was all part of, and still continues to be part of like a bigger plan. So I felt thrown into the weeds in many ways. And I still do to this day. (laughs) But definitely managing it a lot better, which we'll get to towards the end Mm. of this. But yeah, what about Mm -hmm. you? I think it was stressful, obviously, at that time. And it's funny that you talk about you just having moved to L.A. because when I think about that, I'm like, yeah, it was kind of like the moment we were finally all in person. Yeah, (laughs) for the first time. Well, not the first time, but like in a work relationship. Right when that happened is when that whole situation had happened. And so it's interesting that there wasn't much time for us all to kind of be in the same place and work together. But like you said, I do think that everything happens for a reason. And like, I do think it's all a part of the bigger plan. And in the end, things are meant to be as they are. So I feel like in my mind, I honestly felt 
comforted in terms of what was happening because it felt right. It felt like this was what was supposed to happen at this time. And so as stressful as it felt, I was just like, you kind of have to go with the flow of what things are and how things are happening because you either do that or you halt everything and stop or pivot. And for me, I was just like, this is happening with whatever situation. But yeah, it was stressful. Like, I think that those months were really difficult for me. I think also because, and you and I have talked about, like, the gravity of the feelings of having a business. I think that just feeling like, okay, there's all this responsibility now between both of us. Not that I never felt that before. I think I've always felt that way amongst our time here and with multi. It's like you do feel like everything is so dependent on you and that you carry the responsibility for everything. But I think with shifting, I felt that even more. And in a sense, I and I shouldn't probably have felt like this, but in a sense, I kind of felt a little bit of failure. Oh, interesting. I didn't know this. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think because it's all of us, but then I think it's just, I feel like I held the closest relationships with both of you. Mm. And I feel like there was so much responsibility that I felt for the situations that were occurring. Yeah. And I think it's just like a toxic trait of mine to to feel like everything is my responsibility or my fault. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, I feel like everyone knows you did your best. I feel like we all did our best. I don't think there's one time where I've seen you and been like, she's not doing her best. Even when things have been like (laughs) very, and I feel like that's the case for like all of us on the team. Like even when things are, when life is down bad, we still do the best with what we have. Exactly. So like, I feel like that was also a moment where that was happening. And I think... Yeah, I think the both of us definitely know that. I think we know that. And I think I know that in retrospect. But in the moment, I think sometimes you can just feel like anything negative that's happening in the business. Because it wasn't just like the breakup, you know, it was like lots of other things happening at the same time. And I think for anything that goes wrong as an as the owner of a business, you just feel like it's your fault. Yeah, I feel you. So I feel like those are just feelings that come naturally. So if anyone else out there is feeling those things too, you're not alone in that because, yeah, everything feels like a failure. And kind of how we introduced the last episode where we opened with Jamika's quote of, I don't even know the quote exactly at this point, but... You have to be comfortable with failing multiple times a day. Mm-hmm. And you really do. And you have to be able to let that go quickly yeah so long story short I was okay (laughs) but we didn't fail there was no failure but like the things that you perceive as failure you have to be comfortable with like experiencing exactly yes yeah is hard (laughs) (laughs) it's not fun (laughs) so there's yet another reminder of something I literally repeat to myself every day it's okay it's okay to make mistakes It's okay to not know everything. The way you're going to get to what you want is to continue to move towards it, no matter how big or small the steps are. Even if there are road bumps or detours, it's okay. One thing about building a business from scratch is, well, scrappiness. We would 100% define multi as scrappy. 
and as we lost a member, that scrappiness only got amplified. Here we talk a little bit about how our role shifted and us doing what we can with our team and the resources that we had. And also why having the right expertise and drive amongst yourselves when building a business is so important. And so I remember a lot of responsibility then got shifted to Allison and just kind of restructuring what it is that her role looks like with us. So that was a moment that had happened at that time, which shout out to Allison. She's really been there for us. So yeah, <laughs> we really appreciate has. her through all of the ups and downs. She's still here. She's still hanging in. <laughs> Yeah, we had shifted those things. And then we had also talked to you about what it is that we felt like our roles looked like. And I think that's where we just had to have those conversations of being like, what do you think that life is going to look like, especially for you, because you're juggling so many things. And I remember at that point, we're like, okay, let's just like ride this wave and see what it looks like, because we can't really be sure. But how did you navigate that part? I feel like going into it, I remember it was going to be like, okay, I'm going to do like advising and then like, it'll be all good. But then when I realized that like, I think there was a certain point, I actually do remember in the beginning of January, I was like, moving forward, or at least for the time being, I need to not focus on creating like content and like blog posts as much as I need to focus on making sure the product gets out. So I was like my full, most of my attention needs to go to that because it just like was not possible to like do this blog post by then and then like make 9,000 TikToks by now. And everyone knows I still hate doing those things. (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. (laughs) I mean, not the blogs. I actually enjoy doing that. Video content, still not there. (laughs) But I think it was really just a question of like, what do we have capacity for? Not only with like where things are headed, but also what our resources are at the time. Not just with the business, but like personally. Our resources had completely changed. And also figuring out what do we need to do to make sure that, you know, we have our basic human needs. Like we got stripped down. We need to peel back all of the layers and make sure, one, there's food on our plates every day. (laughs) And two, that there's like enough for us to achieve the things that we want to achieve this year. So it was like a lot of really having tough conversations on, okay, if we only have this much in the bank account, Where's it going to? Are we going to pay ourselves? Are we going to order product? (laughs) All of these things of where do our priorities need to be, which I think is still a thing that we do. (laughs) I think in experiencing that restructuring, we really had to just determine like where our priorities are, not only like with the business, but like I cannot stress that enough, like not just the business, but also personally, because if we needed to make this work with only however many hands, then we had to get crafty which I'm honestly I know people always talk about being scrappy like people will be like you know we were super scrappy blah 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 this is like the definition of like scrappy and making it look like y'all have no idea (laughs) y'all have no idea like we'll have the posts like the models like the patches and folks are like oh my god a whole shoot like this this, isn't that I'm like the budget if y'all saw the budget for this (laughs) you would literally like give us all Nobel Prizes (laughs) Which it's like, we've talked about this before too, and I think it's something that a lot of people look for in a team as being like, what are your capabilities and what are you able to do? And we are lucky that 
one, you own a lab. No, right? Like, <laughs> And that we're able to do, like we were able to and still are able to iterate, you have your hands on the literal formula. You are the one literally formulating. <laughs> and if there are any edits and tweaks, it's like all we have to do is talk to each other and be like this or that, and then it's done. It's not like we have to go through a third party, wait for them exactly. to do the thing, and then them to get back to us, et cetera, et cetera. And so that goes really quickly. And then when it comes to content and stuff like that, it's like I just hop on it. Allison just hops on it. We have so much experience in production that we can do. You do design. Yeah, like all the design is internal. Like we usually when people would shell out 30000 for a rebrand, you know, we don't have to do that. Exactly. <laughs> so that was that's really a huge benefit for us. But even still in that, it's like things still cost money, it, you know. No, exactly. So even with us being able to save and like I think that we've been able to do so much with so little because of our internal skills. Mm -hmm. However, there are still so many other costs that are incurred with just putting together product and helping it move along towards launching. Yeah. So yes, even with all hands on deck and the ability to do things ourselves, it still costs money to make product. Whenever we hear about other businesses or talk to other founders, the topic of finances almost always makes its way into the combo because it's such a huge influence on what you're able to do, how fast you can do it all, how much you can market your product, and so much more. You'll often hear the terms bootstrapping or fundraising when it comes to startups. So we dive into what that means to us and from what we've observed and the nuances of all these quote unquote success stories that you see in press. There are so many different levels of privilege and advantages and disadvantages depending on who you are, what network you have, what support you have, and so on and so forth when it comes to building a biz. Here are some of our thoughts. What comes into the scrappiness is a conversation of bootstrapping, fundraising, the gray area in between. Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> so how would you how would you define bootstrapping, AJ? It's <laughs> how would I define bootstrapping? That's a great question. So I would say like when it comes to bootstrapping, I would say the most recognizable way to I guess describe bootstrapping is that you don't have any outside investment. Nobody has like a stake in your company and you're reinvesting money back into the business. That at a large scale is bootstrapping. Now the nuances is where like, can you bootstrap and still have an investor? Like that's, I feel like a thing that people debate, but that's how I describe bootstrapping. What about you? What, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> I feel like I would describe it in the same way. I do think there is nuance in there because some people may come from more money than others. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So bootstrapping looks different for everybody. For example, for us, it's not like mom and dad could pass us 100K and help us out a little, which would technically be like our own investment into the company. Yeah. For us, it's like what we're working for and what we're working on and what we get paid externally from this. It's like, okay, can I save some of this and put it into that? Like that's <laughs> no. what it would look like for us. And I sent Mal like a post the other day where it was like, it was like on this women founder page and they're like, shout out to like 
the husbands that fund us in the background while we put all our funds into like our dream and I'm like that's hilarious what (laughs) you know I texted I texted AJ back I'm like what about the single people yeah what about the people that are just literally putting their life on the line (laughs) yeah or just don't have an extra leg to stand on I think that those people also should be shouted out to and and commended for making literally being scrappy and making yeah. shit happen with half of the resources that somebody who might have someone to help support them may have but with bootstrapping yeah I think that I have a similar definition to you and I think that something super commendable when people do it it's really cool to see and then on the opposite side is fundraising which I think the word in of itself is pretty self-explanatory where you're raising funds to then fund the operations of your company yeah and I think that there is also a little bit of a gray area which we've talked about in between the two, which I feel like is where we lie. Because we were talking about it the last time we talked about this and we were like, we fundraised, but also we are still putting money into the business. Yeah. And so there's this combination of, okay, we've raised a little bit of money, but we still put in money to help things move along. I think that's something, though, that, like, you know, in the nature of having business that you're going to have to put money back regardless, whether you Mm -hmm. have VC or whether you are just doing it, you know, bootstrap, whether you're, like, genuinely, authentically bootstrapping. So it's kind of the thing, if it were a Venn diagram, I think those both would share reinvesting back into the business. But it's like, to what extent are you reinvesting back to the business? Is it literally, and are you making sales? Because if you're not making sales then could that also be bootstrap? I mean, I guess technically. Because at the end of the day, like, it's still scrappy. Yeah. It's still scrappy. But I I personally find issue when founders are like, yeah, so we raised millions of dollars and then we bootstrapped. <laughs> and I'm like, mm-hmm. did you? Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is this, too, is, like, when you are trying to build a business that is growing or that you want to grow, you have to essentially pay to play in these industries, which is really sad to know and sometimes discouraging because some people can create the most effective product out there and it's yeah. incredible and amazing, but they just can't gain market traction and it's because they can't pay for marketing or they can't you know, gain any exposure. Maybe they don't have enough of a network, but then they are working so hard that they don't have time to network because they're bootstrap it. You know, There's like so many things that play into it. And so when it comes to deciding to fundraise, You really have to be intentional and know, like, this is where you want to get to. Yeah. But we did decide to fundraise a little bit. And we do we are of the trajectory of wanting to fundraise after this as well. We are a startup intending to raise further funds. But as we've touched on, the limited resources we have now go into the biz, not to sustain our livelihoods. And as AJ and I had so much going on, and just as we were simply needing to live, and because we don't have any other cushions or people to help us financially, we've always had to think independently and decide to do what was best for us in those moments, like continuing to have other revenue streams. With that though comes time distribution, less time on the biz, more time on potentially another, And here's how we contended with all that. Do I start 
my agency's operations again while we're we're making these moves towards launching the business. And at that point, my decision was, yeah. And it was kind of this like weighing of things in my head of being like, if this is going to happen, it means less time spent on the business. If less time spent on the business, that could mean things might move slower. I feel like you, we will always find time for it. We'll always find time. Yes. I don't think I've seen like your time decline spending time on the business. (laughs) I think maybe externally doesn't feel like it or appear like it, but definitely I feel it. I feel it and yeah. I go through that. I feel you. Yeah. I hope you don't feel like bad about it though. I mean, I do, but also it's just well, naturally, of course, because it's like I want to spend my time yeah, doing Yeah, I get this, it. Actually. You know, like I would love to. It has to be as it is and it's just accepting that it is what it is. Yeah, you have you to know? eat, you have to be happy. Like you literally exactly. have to be happy. Which is something yeah. I learned. <laughs> and you were at the same time navigating all the things too. So you're navigating Sula at the time. You're navigating school, all the things. I feel like I've been bootstrapping <laughs> my bank account since like 2020. <laughs> exactly. It's like bootstrapping life. <laughs> but with all of that, we were also deciding whether or not to raise C, to raise a bridge, develop more product, continue on or try to do it, you know, with what we have. And at the time we had decided, okay, we're just going to make do with what we do have. And so at that time we were like, okay, we're just gonna launch, do it with what we have, just get going and move on versus trying to raise. I mean, like the VC economy isn't the greatest because of our current recession right now. However- Yeah, I hear it's getting worse. I don't know, I I don't know who to believe. Well, I feel like we're, it doesn't even matter what we hear. I like, know. You just gotta find someone that's down. Exactly, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. You always hear things that are up and down and then, yeah. but then you see like this person raised tens of millions yeah, and then unsubs- un- oversubscribed <laughs> exactly or you just see like so and so raises 20 million or whatever and then it just kind of snap- snaps me back into the reality of there is money out there it's just a matter of who is open to you kind of thing but at the time we did decide okay we're going to make do with what it is that we have what are the possible scenarios let's just move forward and launch So if you didn't already know, we're launching in two weeks. It's been a long time coming in our minds. And AJ and I have talked a few times about the whole idea of quote unquote launching and how it's such a weird concept. Now I come from the marketing world, so trust, I get the psychology behind it all and behind this whole CPG realm for that matter. But we've evolved into a world where so much gravity gets put on a launch when really should it be warranted that amount of value here's us unraveling our thoughts on launches for aj the word launch the words launching soon are very triggering to her yeah very (laughs) extremely actually because what does that even mean (laughs) yeah what does that even mean and also we've been in sort of this like limbo state of pending launching for so long and i think with as being founders of a company, we know what's going on internally, but no one else knows on the outside. So for us... Now you just look like you're procrastinating. Yeah. Or people just don't know because yeah, I feel like 
when I talk to people outside of this, sometimes they're just like, people don't know when you're supposed to launch. Like, who cares? You're overthinking it. Just do it when you're ready kind of thing. And I'm just like, yeah, but like, we know it's been taking this long and we're feeling the pressure and this and that. And people are like, yeah, but no one knows. And people who like your stuff, they're just going to want you to launch when you launch. Isn't that crazy? And that's why it's like, is there ever a quote unquote right time? And like Mm -hmm. the answer is no, you're never going to feel ready. That's why I'm always like pick a threshold, 65% ready if that's your threshold. And if you hit 65%, then you're ready because you're never going to be at 100. So find the threshold that's realistic for you. Mm -hmm. And for us, I don't know exactly numerically what that is, but we're definitely there. (laughs) We're definitely, we're not 100, but we're there. We're at the threshold. Yes. Let's go kind of. We're in the let's just let's do it let's go kind of mentality right now and for us the only thing is deal with the consequences later yeah and also just iterate i think that there's so much like you talk about is there ever a right time i think that there's also so much pressure around having a quote-unquote huge launch or even just having a successful launch whatever that means yes and i think so much pressure is put on founders these days to have a huge launch. Whereas I feel like I'm trying to shift my mentality to be like, just get started. Yeah. Like the word launch, I feel like is so, it implies that it's this grand thing where, you know, everyone's watching and stuff. Whereas what we're really doing is the labor of love, you know, Mm -hmm. giving birth to things, being really intentional about what we're doing with them. And that's, I think that's, why the word launch is so triggering to me because one it's like it feels like such a hard deadline and you already know I develop products and (laughs) I already have deadlines all over my head that I don't need (laughs) I don't need to put on myself two it just feels kind of almost transactional Mm. where it's like we're putting something out just to add to a product portfolio just so that you guys know that we put something out whereas it should feel more like here's what we made show and tell Mm. like here's what we made do you like it yeah (laughs) something sweet (laughs) I mean I agree and even because I've heard people be like yeah you you only launch once or like having kind of language or rhetoric around launch in that way and and in saying that that is putting pressure on being like you have to make this a huge statement for your brand and i feel like is the statement more important or is you actually executing more important and that's something where i do feel like just make it happen and put it out there yeah. and you can always iterate and i think that's hard for me to to settle with because I am like perfectionist and I always want some things to be like a certain way. Yep. But yep. there's just something in there where I I have to constantly work every day, tell myself, let it go. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for me, that's also just kind of my life philosophy in general. Like if I'm going through something, my work is not going to suffer as badly as it would for, like, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of folks, which is cool, but it's also like a little concerning. But for me, it's like, I think if I'm going through something, I am just going to go through it and deal with the feelings while I'm going through it, not wait to deal with the feelings first, then go through it. Mm. And that also is what this feels like for me. Deal with the shit later. (laughs) Deal with it while you're going through it. Mm. Because 
it's not true you only launch once. Don't let, don't let anyone ever make y'all feel that way. I'm gonna tell you right now, all the CeraVe's, all the like Eucerin's, all the Dove's, all the Olay's, they've launched several times and we have no idea. Mm-hmm. Those ingredient lists are changing before your very eyes and we have no idea. <laughs> so if they can do it, we can too. Exactly. With our impending launch, so much intention and tweaking occurred. From our launch product to our product formulation philosophy to brand messaging and the influences of those shifts. One, our own evolutions and learnings, but probably the most important was our community. Shout out to the .com. We seriously love you all. Here we touch on some of the intentional tweaks in our products leading to launch and our beloved community, the .com. I think originally we had so many ideas that sounded cool, but they were kind of lacking cohesiveness in terms of like what is really the through line throughout this entire pipeline that brings everything together. For me, as I mentioned, I developed several products, but what Multi does for me is that it gives me a space to make things that I personally want to see in the world. Because it's not every time I'm developing a product for another brand and I'm like, I would 1000% do this. That's not always the case. Here, this is my sandbox. So I'm like, what is the approach that I'm taking towards making you know, these concepts? And I find that the approach is leaning usually towards biomimicry. If something is biomimetic, what that really means is that it mimics the structure and function of a specific organ, usually of an organ or a tissue. So when I realized that that was the approach I was taking to literally all of the products, I decided to categorize, like, okay, in what ways am I taking that approach? So I found that it was through using enzymes more specifically, through using biotics, because the microbiome is something that we're very interested in, especially as we, I, I think we all find that the microbiome is kind of the, the bridge between internal and external sort of ailments. And then the third thing was just, you know, making sure that it all makes sense throughout the entire product pipeline. So for example, if we have an amino acid in this supplement, is that same amino acid gonna show up in the moisturizer, for example? So it was a really nice way of tying the whole story together and not just having arbitrary products that all had cool different things and making it all one big cool umbrella and having each product represent like the ways in which we want to display biomimicry. So that was one way that we shifted our products. Other way was just testing with our community. So really testing that concept. Is this something that's gonna move the needle at all? So what we do now, which I find really exciting, is I make these batches, we send them out to our community in the .com, which I don't think we've explained yet what the .com is, but <laughs> <laughs> we send it out to the .com, which stands for the Connecting the Dots Community. I came up with the name, but <laughs> AJ is it's chief literally naming just, officer. <laughs> exactly. Chief naming officer. It's literally just a group of people that are experiencing the things that Mal and I experienced that made us actually start this in the first place. So whether that's, you know, internal, external ailments that show up on both sides, or that's wanting to really understand how to get to the root of a product and its functions through anecdotal and clinical evidence. So it's really just a group of like hundreds of folks that are super cool, way cooler than I'll ever be, and like just have so many cool stories to bring to the table, different walks of life, different recommendations and suggestions. We talk about TV shows, we talk about our eczema, (laughs) we talk Mm. about literally everything, and it's just a cute place, I think, that that I'm really proud that we started. Mm. But it also really helped solidify like, okay, we're, we're doing this right. 
We're, it's not a coincidence that hundreds of people are all in this one room and have the similar vision for multi and also all like the product. Yeah. So, and they all just get it. It's really, really cool to see them understand what it is that we're creating and super validating for us just to know these people are wanting these products and wanting solutions to these problems. So, we, we communicate with them almost at every step of the way. Yeah. In terms of, yeah, developing a product to launching it. So they are the ones who get their hands on the product first. So if you want to join the dot com, here's a little plug. Head to the link in the show notes and join <laughs> or apply yeah. to join. I, I think I see so many brands saying like, you know, we build our products with you all. But I know for a fact that that is usually not until they get to production. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. They'll have like the samples and then they will like send them out and be like, what do you all think? And by then it's usually too late. Whereas we have so much control, you know, I'm in the lab, I'm the one building them, I'm the one doing the testing and the tweaking and like me and my team, which is really exciting. Mm -hmm. And so I think it really does feel like we're doing it with them because if we didn't have the feedback that we had on literally all the products, I don't think any of the products would be where they are now. Mm -hmm. The moisturizer, like folks were like, I don't like how this certain thing feels. I don't like how this certain thing smells. We gave it back to them with those tweaks, and they're like, "Perfect, I'd use it every day." Yeah, <laughs> and then we had which I don't even think that. I mentioned that we were building a moisturizer. But, yeah, <laughs> I guess you heard it here first, folks. If you haven't already seen any of our behind the scenes content, where we've been <laughs> developing know. that, but yeah, our community is super, super important to us, and I think something that is so essential and that other businesses and and media talks about the importance of, but we emphasize and agree with that in thinking that community is and should be an integral part of any brand. And one last thing that we realized we never actually touched on, our soft launch. And yeah, you may be thinking, what does a launch being soft even mean? And honestly, I'm confused about this whole launch industrial complex too. But here's a little on that and what we learned, which really did give us some extremely beneficial insight. We did launch our products to whatever community that we had at that time at around the same time. And so... That's why I'm like, what the fuck is a soft launch? Exactly. Like, that's why I'm like, there's no such thing as a launch in my mind. A soft launch... If you're putting products out, you're putting products out. The end. Period. <laughs> it was just it. a little softer than a hard But it was soft. It was, it was soft. Which was I soft. feel like is essentially a teaser, but I'm so glad that we had done that because there were so many learnings from the soft launch. So when we had done that, we had launched the original patch. I remember a lot of the, the the talk and a lot of the questions that we would have from people who we were meeting with, whether it was retailers or investors, would be like, what is your UVP? You'll hear that a lot. What's your unique value proposition? What's the thing that makes your brand and stand out? And why do you care so much? <laughs> and I get it. They're they're trying to, to understand what stands out about your brand. And I think it does definitely, because it forced us to really clarify, like, what are the standout key points about our brand and who is it for so I get it I get why people want to know and why things need to be clear but something a lot of people also talk about with that is product market fit and so with the soft launch when we had launched we were testing our multi-patch and the reformulation is something that we'll talk about in the next episode however at the time what the key learnings were 
at least for me in observing what was going on at the time, is one, our approach in marketing wasn't targeted enough. We didn't focus enough, clearly enough on the efficacy of the patch before and afters. UGC outside of what UGC we garnered through seeding, we got proof and validation that our product was very visible, meaning people would post about it because our branding was yeah. good and it was cute. So we got branding validation. We got validation that the product does increase exposure of your brand because people would want to take selfies with it. But then when it came to the actual efficacy of the product and talking about what problems it targets, that's where we didn't lean in enough. And the ways that I saw that was through the lists that we had built. So through our email lists and things like that and looking at conversion rates and so on and so forth, I noticed that our conversion rates weren't as high as I had anticipated them to be. And then that made me question, okay, how can we shift this when we actually launch so that they'll be more effective? Um, And so those were key learnings there. And just in knowing, okay, we need to talk more about the problems that we're targeting and how this product will help you solve those problems. So that is something that happened. And we actually restarted the dot-com after that soft launch. And in building the community, what we were really trying to find was the product market fit, (laughs) like I mentioned earlier, and just making sure that we are speaking the language of our customers, making sure that we are listening to what their problems are, making sure that our products can speak to their problems, and so on and so forth. And so in really knowing our community and in really building relationships with the dot-com, we were able to clarify so much more of that. And I think that that's something that people and other folks with brands that they are building really need to work toward. And now we just feel so much more confident in our approach in marketing product. And there we have it, chapter three. Things to remember, things aren't always as big of deals or as bad as they may seem in the moment, as we've probably said over a hundred times at this point. Be okay with failure. Be kind to yourself because You're just doing your best, and that's all you can really do. Don't compare yourself to others because you never know what resources they may or may not be working with. And remember how important good community is when building really anything. We are launching in T minus two weeks, which is crazy to say because we're so excited and it's been a long time coming. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please like, review, subscribe, and give us a follow on socials at My Daily Multi. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back next week with the second to last episode of the season. Have a good one.